I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas, and this is class content for July the 1st. And this is the second class of what I'm calling requested proverbs. That means passages, the class, as recommended, we examine. Remember that we are looking into the book of the Old Testament that might be called God's text messages. In this Old Testament book, page after page, is graced with a wide variety of wisdom for our study and use today. So I'm now in Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. I want to talk about this word discipline that we have used a lot in this study of Proverbs. I think this is one of those words where we may be just locked into one idea. We punish our children. We punish them when they misbehave. Negative response to bad behavior. I'd like for us to think of the word discipline in a broader biblical context. So it is much more than just punishment. It is training, instruction, influence that can be received to keep our minds, words, and actions correct. In this broader concept, a lot of good discipline takes place so that punishment will not be needed. And the word discipline ought to be considered not just as applied in the parent-child relationship. I need discipline. We all need discipline, and discipline from God can be received and applied when we do what we're doing right now, reading and studying the Word. And having said that, look again at Proverbs 12, verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Loving discipline means you want it. And here, it is equated with loving knowledge. There are people who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They want to know what is right, what is best, what is God-honoring. They're willing to be trained and corrected. That's the frame of mind or desire each of us ought to have. That's why we read and study God's Word. We want to know and do what's right. We love discipline. We love instruction. Now, the other side of that is, he who hates reproof is stupid. Do we need to try to make that plainer? Very clear, isn't it? There are people who just hate to be informed, corrected, and trained in righteousness. Obviously, we ought to be the former, not the latter. We ought to be people who love discipline and love knowledge, not hate or reject discipline. God provides what we need in his word, and Christ made it possible for us to be forgiven and saved and disciplined. Proverbs 15, 28, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Well, we've talked about this before. There is that tendency to be carefully avoided of speaking or writing immediately after having a thought. No processing, no pondering, no pause, no fact-checking, no time spent considering the best way to word your thoughts. You think it, 
and seconds later, you speak or type it. Guess where this happens every day, every hour, every minute? On the internet, email, social media, blog post, live podcast, messages, a thought enters the mind, and within seconds it's typed or sent. God is telling us to ponder how to answer. What's the best way to say what we believe needs to be said? I've told this story before. Please excuse the repetition if you've heard it. As a young preacher, probably my first year, I received a letter so flaming I had to open it with potholders. I parked myself in my office and hammered away at my Sears Roebuck manual typewriter. I pulled that sheet of paper out of the carriage and on my way to the post office before I had sealed the envelope, I stopped to visit an older preacher I had a lot of respect for. And I said, look at what I've done. I've answered this man. And before he even read all of it, he handed it back to me and said, here's my advice. Hold that letter overnight. See what you think before you mail it tomorrow. I took his advice, and upon reading the letter the next day, I decided not to mail it. That's 24 hours of pondering that proves to be extremely useful. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. So give it some time. Think about the best way to answer. James said, be slow to speak. Paul said, speak the truth in love. Paul said in Colossians 4 and verse 6, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Very good advice. Proverbs 24, 15 and 16. Lie not in wait as a wicked man against the dwelling of the righteous. Do no violence to his home, for the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. Now, I, I read that, and one of my first thoughts is, I've never done that. I would never do that, to lie in wait against the dwelling of the righteous. Uh, it sounds like violence or stalking. We don't do this. We who are involved in this study of Proverbs are not people inclined to violence or stalking or crime. So we understand the prohibition. We see that clearly. And we hope that people who might stalk or do violence to us will take heed to that prohibition. Then there's verse 16. For the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. That's an observational statement. Righteous people get back up when they fall. This is about the resilience of the righteous. When God's people fall, they get back up. They rise again. We rise again because of the strength God provides for us through the activity of our faith in Christ. But the wicked stumble in times of calamity. Calamity impacts the wicked more intensely than it impacts the righteous. 
So the net of this is to encourage the righteous. Proverbs 24, 19 and 20. Fret not yourself because of evildoers, and be not envious of the wicked, for the evil man has no future. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. It may be that this identifies an attitude or thought many of us have entertained at some point. Let's be honest. I'm thinking this is pretty common. You are not really thriving in a materialistic sense. You don't have all the nice things you would like. Your income doesn't really cover what you have put in your budget. Or you are not acknowledged or appreciated for all the hard work you do. And you look around and there are evil people who have all these things that you think you ought to have who are doing really well. And you get upset about that. Here is this word again, envy. Evil people have what you think you ought to have. Well, a bit of wisdom here. Don't think that way. Fret not yourself because of evildoers, and be not envious of the wicked. Those thoughts are not only not spiritually valuable, they're damaging and they're unrealistic because the evil man has no future. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. I want you to turn with me <clears throat> to Psalms 73. This is the classic case of this particular kind of envy. Psalms 73. I want you to listen to this, please, and I hope you have it open in your Bible. Maybe you can pause at this point in the recording and open your Bible to Psalm 73 and then come back. Here it is. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. 
May I express it like this, please? Don't waste time worrying about what sinners have that you don't have. Truly, God is good to his people. Give up comparisons between you and the wicked. Rejoice that in Christ you are able to be right with God. That's what matters. I have one more requested proverb. Proverbs 30 and verse 15. A very curious proverb. The leech has two daughters, give and give. Three things are never satisfied, four never say enough. I checked this in a couple of other translations. The New Living Translation. The leech has two suckers that cry out more, more, there are three things that are never satisfied, no four that never say enough. Well, I read this and I think of the ugly little creature, the leech. Leeches are segmented, parasitic, or predatory worms. I don't know if you've ever encountered one of these or several of these. My wife and I lived in a rent house when uh, I was in college right after Herb was born. And there were leeches, a whole family of them, under that old wood frame house. And we put a call into the landlord very quickly and had them removed or exterminated. In movies, Hollywood has used a lot of leeches you know, I'm not talking about actors or producers. I mean the creatures used in horror movies. The famous movie, The African Queen, Humphrey Bogart and Katherine Hepburn. There was a scene where they were attacked by leeches, creating a horrible, dramatic effect in that movie. Now, what is it about leeches? The suction they use against their prey is never satisfied. They demand, never get enough. Now, in our imagery, our personification, we talk about people who are leeches. They never get enough. They will suck from you your money, your life, your energy, your influence, your goodwill, the definition of our application of the word goes something like this. A person who extorts profit from our sponges on others. So let's call this an observational proverb. And the warning is, be aware there are people who will just keep taking. They will take from you and they will just keep taking They'll keep sucking and asking you to give. Leeches, the type of person, can be found in government, in companies, in offices, in churches, and families. Be aware. Picture that awful scene in the African Queen movie and avoid being drained by leeches. I want to make this point about the Proverbs before I close. 
In most cases in Bible reading, we encourage reading in sequence and we encourage reading for context, what's around the passage. Generally, we do not recommend that you pick up the Bible and just open to a page at random and read a few verses. However, Proverbs may be the exception to that rule. You can pick up Proverbs and read one or two or a section because context doesn't work the same way in this genre of biblical literature. And that's really what we've done in these last two classes. We've been moving around from place to place. Context is not as vital here as it might be in a narrative or in an epistle or in the teaching sections of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We've been moving around and picking up God's text messages. Well, where are we headed from here? Two more classes. Class content for July 5 will be Proverbs 31, verses 1 through 9. Class content for July 8 will be Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. And then on July 12, I'll begin the study in Philippians. Thank you for joining us for these studies.